Welcome to the home stretch. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week we hear from a couple of terrific healthcare advocates who have personal stories to share about what, um, what healthcare means to them and why healthcare is on the ballot this year. Um, but we start with what made headlines this past week and a constant reminder to vote. Vote today, vote on election day, vote safely, but vote. So let's get rolling with with this week's headlines. Um, first up was that that uh, the vice president visited Iowa this past week. Um, he held a rally at the Des Moines airport, which is where the president and vice president have liked to hold their super spreader COVID events. Um, uh, uh, I mean, Ivy, I'm, I'm assuming, well, I guess I don't know. Did, did you know anyone who, I did not know anyone who went to the event. Did you? Um, no, I did not. Uh, I mean, I saw <laughs> yeah. the, I saw the pictures. Um, it looks like mm-hmm. they've definitely violated the recommendation of only groups of 25 people. Um, yeah, surprise. Um, right. Um, and we, uh, Progress Iowa was doing a public service um, leading up to this event with a billboard right across the uh, right across the street uh, from the airport that said that had a that IV was very well designed by you it said warning um, one night of unprotected pence can cause covid so uh, maybe that helped I don't know do you think that had an effect on the turnout um I don't know that'd be nice but <laughs> I think it like really just like got people fired up to like um you know, I think if you like Pence, you're going to go anyway, because you might not care about that. But if you don't, then you saw the sign. Maybe you're like, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Maybe it really reached out there. That's right. You never know. Never know. Yeah. The power of, uh, but of, of one billboard. Was, so Yeah. That was my favorite part of the months of working here. Like, just seeing that. That was so, <laughs> uh, so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the... Like, I saw, like, basically some things he said at the rally and just saying that Iowans are blessed to have Governor Reynolds during COVID. I mean, that must be a joke or something. That was ridiculous. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I It was just frustrating to see that. Yeah, I don't feel very blessed to have this governor. (laughs) I mean, there are plenty of Republican governors who are doing, you know, an admirable job Mm -hmm. on, on this pandemic or at least doing their best to contain it and to give accurate transparent information um but this governor is certainly not so i mean we're gonna get into that in a minute but um yeah that is not the blessed is not the word i would use to describe having or as as the experience of having kim reynolds as our governor Um, i think that's the last word mm -hmm, i would mm -hmm. use uh and next headline this week which well this past week last week it seems like so far away Mm -hmm. um the um, Senate confirmed uh, the Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Um, it's just disappointing because one week from tomorrow, the um, health care, the ACA lawsuit comes to um, the Supreme Court. And now with Barrett there, Trump's judge, it 
gets a little dicey. It's very nerve-wracking to not know what's going to happen with the ACA. And we talk about that a little bit in the event um, that we had yesterday, but it's just frustrating. Yeah, I mean, this this cements the legacy of Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley to me of of they've what they've done here is it's really unfortunate and there's no way to look to turn back on this because these are lifetime appointments. I mean, she is on the bench. She's on the court now mm-hmm. um, for the rest of her life. Um, unless they change term, unless they do something to change, to like create term limits, to do something, you know, very drastic. Um, uh, but what they've done is made it a political, the third political branch of government. And, um, and it's not something where Democrats, assuming that Democrats take control of the Senate and the presidency, it's not something that they can ignore. I mean, it's not something that they can just roll over and take because it's it's not like they've passed a policy that then can be fixed. Like they have fundamentally changed the Supreme Court. And in response to that, now Democrats need to use that branch of government to make sure that people are protected. Um, uh, I mean, that's what they, Ernst and Grassley and the rest of them have taken this court that should be an independent check on the other branches and they have turned it into like their mechanism for overturning Roe v. Wade, for repealing the Affordable Care Act and for implementing their policies. That's what they've done. And so that can't be undone at this point. So now that the rules have changed by them, Democrats need to play. I mean, we they can play by that same set of rules. So I don't know what that means exactly in policy, but I think that something has fundamentally shifted here that we will not be able to turn back. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I completely agree. So we'll see what happens in the next few months. It's just very nerve wracking because it feels like a lot is on the line right now. And there's not, it feels like there's not much we can do besides obviously voting uh, So yeah. tomorrow. So it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, there is more news about our governor this week. She has not held a press conference in a while. Um, she went, she had daily press conferences for a long period of time during this pandemic, but she's not held a press conference in a while. Um, uh, she's been, they've been slow to give out information. And now there's news about the fact that the governor's office or that the, the administration was not releasing information in response to public records requests. Um, uh, this is really problematic. Um, it's 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 problematic just at any point that they wouldn't be responsive to these um, because they're public they're they're public officials, so they should be responsive to the public. But it's even more so during a pandemic where, like, whether the information is good or bad, it needs to get out to the public like it, it has to be out there so that we can learn about what is happening and make decisions the governor uh, this is the end of my rant on this um, but the the governor likes to talk about Iowans doing the right thing and Iowans can make responsible decisions and I hope that that is true but the only way we can do that is if we are given all of the information like an accurate information to make those decisions. That's the only way we can do that. And by them 
by, by this administration blocking that information, it hurts our ability to do what she's asking us to do, which is to behave responsibly. That's something she's not willing to do. Like she's traveling around the state campaigning in close quarters, packed in crowds with no masks on. But she's asking us to behave responsibly. We need the right. We need accurate information to do that. And we are not getting it from her. And rant. I mean, I couldn't have put it better. And <laughs> yeah. rant. Oh, exactly. I mean, honestly, I wonder what the consequences could possibly be for her. It just feels like she's like on a power trip and like nothing will stop it. I mean, like you can't just not give out public information and uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, so many people have like gotten sick in Iowa and like we're hitting records nearly every day in the U.S. And it's just like, I don't know, when is it going to end? But, you know, 2020. Yeah. Uh, our next uh, big headline is just the fact that voting ends tomorrow. So you got to vote today. You have to vote tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It'd be really good to vote early today. Um, that's just make sure everything like runs smoothly. There's so much on the line. I mean, it just boggles my mind when people are like going to vote. So Hopefully, like, encourage your friends, your family to vote. My mom voted this year. She didn't vote last time, so. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Phew. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so assume you had played a good. role in convincing her. That's great. So. Yeah, me and my sister were, like, That's hardcore. Awesome. You have to do this. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. It's And it's not just the presidency either, which is incredibly important, mm-hmm. but it's Congress. It's the state legislature. It's, um, it, it's every election up and down the ballot. I mean, there's county supervisors here in, in Iowa that are up for uh, election or re-election, um, it's, which, which impact at a local level. I mean, just for example, in Iowa, if you're a county board of supervisors, you get to determine the rights of, of, of public employees. So if you think that public employees in our state deserve to be able to negotiate for things like workplace safety during a pandemic, go pick a county supervisor that believes that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so these elections really make a difference uh, all the way up and down the ballot. So um, uh, please vote if you, if you, if you have an absentee ballot uh, uh, right now, a mail-in ballot, uh, the best way to make sure that that is counted in a timely fashion is to drop it off at your auditor's office in your, in your local count, in your, in your home County. Um, uh, So please do that if you can. Um, by state law, if it's postmarked um, today, then then they then they are required to count it. But best this year to just not take any chances, drop it off in person, and uh, and make that happen. So, uh, well said, Ivy. But please, please vote. Be like Ivy's mom. Please vote. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I get that. Like sometimes it feels like our vote doesn't matter, but I think especially this year we've kind of seen that like our legislators, their actions really, really matter. Like so, hopefully, um, everyone gets to like use their vote, their vote this year, use their voice if they can vote. Uh, yeah, vote for the people who can't vote. So hopefully yep. it all works out. Yeah. Um, next up we have our hot takes where we quickly quickly give our opinions on the hot topics of the week. Um, first up is just uh, Kim Reynolds joking about Greenfield. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she. so basically, if you haven't seen it, but it was just um, at a event where there were like barely any masks. Uh, Reynolds was joking about the fact that Greenfield uh, had to take a stop from the RV um, campaigning, basically because someone on Greenfield's staff was in contact with someone who was positive. 
so basically, long story short, uh, that's why she was not campaigning, which is so good. Like, people need to, you know, stop having super spreader events or being out there when they could have been, you know, exposed to COVID. But obviously, Reynolds doesn't care about that, joking around about it. Yeah, just poor taste from a poor leader. Mm-hmm. A joke, uh, you know, a joke, incredibly dangerous joke and poor taste from a really poor leader. That's my quick take. Just yeah. awful. Yeah, not really feeling blessed. No, you know? no. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's horrible. Um, the next item we wanted to talk about was Senator Ernst not wearing a mask um, during the president's event in Omaha. First of all, she didn't get to speak. Um, Senator Ernst campaigned in Nebraska as she was running for re-election in Iowa um, at an event with the president um, and was seen not wearing a mask. So not surprised for me, but just another horrible example of of not modeling uh, good of of, of not modeling uh, good behavior during a pandemic. So this is this is at least one Iowan not doing what Governor Reynolds has asked us to do, which is to make responsible decisions. So Senator Ernst, listen to the governor and make a responsible decision. That's my my take. Exactly. I mean, honestly, it just boggles my mind because, like, as a public official, like, she has to know that people are going to be looking at her. Like, why wouldn't she just wear the mask so she wouldn't get criticized? Like, even if she, like, doesn't believe or whatever. It's Uh, like, I think. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, Next up, uh, Kim Kardashian's taking heat (laughs) this week for taking a birthday (laughs) trip amid COVID with 20 to 25 of her closest friends um obviously anytime people gather in large groups it's a concern you need to take notes trump and pence but i was mostly just confused about the 20 to 25 closest friends part i mean who has that many friends that was just my yeah that, that I was guess my take on that kim kardashian i don't know this is the first the, i learned about this right now reading the google doc for this episode you didn't so see all the tweets about it see this no so I'm this is screaming. My uh, Twitter feed is mostly it's political news, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. also like like Kansas City sports team news. That's right. what what occupies my feed. So I do not get the why well, I rely on this one specific section of our podcast mm-hmm. every week for some sort of pop culture reference to to come into right. my my bubble. So I, well, I, I'm happy to educate I, you. Mm-hmm. Yes, very yep. important. She made like this um, post saying, oh, just a lot of my closest friends went this. We were very responsible. And now there's all these memes about it. Um, just because basically, you know, like who can go and rent a private island and all oh, this wait. stuff. But... Is this the thing where people saying, I've invited a few of my friends to an island and something or other, like, and then people were posting a different picture with it. Is that... Yeah. So I did yeah, see that. that. This. So I saw yeah. some of those tweets, but I had no idea what people were tweeting about. So that makes a lot more sense now. So I was like, yeah, oh, that's kind of funny. Okay. I don't yeah. know. I had no idea what that meant. So well, I'm really glad to know what that what that's about. So gotcha, great, gotcha. great, great, great. This week, we do not have an interview, but last night, Progress Iowa and Protect Our Care, in partnership with a number of other organizations, held an event called Healthcare is on the Ballot. Um, it was a live Facebook event. We'll include the link here um, if you weren't able to attend. Um, but we really wanted to talk about why healthcare is such an important issue this election um, with the threats to repeal the Affordable Care Act and obviously all the good changes to healthcare that could come along 
uh, depending on how the election turns out. Um, we spoke with a couple of great healthcare advocates, Debbie Koopman and Susan Blocker, both from Cedar Rapids, um, Congresswoman Cindy Axney, Congressman Dave Loebsack, and, and other folks jumped in to, to uh, um, issue a call to make sure to prioritize health care during this year's election. Um, for nearly 1.3 million Iowans with pre-existing conditions and hundreds of thousands of Iowans who would lose coverage if the ACA were repealed, this is a life and death issue. Um, so healthcare really is on the ballot this year. So I uh, would invite you to listen in on, on portions of that event now um, and, and, and check out the entire thing in the link that we're sharing with this episode. But really remember that this year, when you're casting your ballot, um, healthcare is healthcare is on the ballot, and whether or not people have good quality, affordable care is on the ballot. We have a president um, and and a Republican uh, Congress or Republican Senate and um, and Republican Party that has made it their stated intention to repeal the Affordable Care Act. They don't talk about that as much as they used to. They don't campaign on that as much as they used to, um, because I think they've seen what we've seen is that Iowans want and and really need healthcare, need good quality healthcare, and they are talking about this a little bit less, repealing the ACA because they know it's become incredibly unpopular. But that is their goal. So I'm going to turn it over now to um, to someone who we've uh, we've worked with both of these uh, uh, folks in the past, but um, our first speaker is, is Susan Blocker. She is a, a small business owner, a cancer survivor, um, and, and, has, and has done a lot to contact Senator Joni Ernst. Um, and and I'll, let, I'll let her, Susan, I'll let you t- talk about that experience and what that was like, um, but really thrilled to have uh, Susan Blocker here from, from Cedar Rapids. Susan? Great. Thanks so much. Yeah, um, my husband and I operate a small business, and for many years, we had private small group insurance. Like a lot of people, we were seeing that we had to, every year, increase our deductible just to keep our premiums uh, reasonable. Then a few years ago, our insurance provider let us know that we didn't qualify for small group insurance anymore, so we needed to go on the ACA exchange which we did, and actually we found a policy that was quite similar to what we already had. And we even enjoyed some savings on our premium. Uh, When we made the switch, I didn't have to worry that I had been treated for breast cancer several years ago, so I knew I wouldn't be penalized for that. And everything was going fine until Donald Trump decided to start fighting, uh, challenging the ACA in the courts. Over the summer, the House, I know, um, tried to address this threat and pass some legislation to bolster the ACA. When that happened, I reached out to Senator Ernst's office by email and by phone call to find out what the Senate was doing to try and provide affordable health care if the ACA should fall. It took three weeks to get a response, but when I finally did hear back from her, I got an email uh, partly which discussed why she didn't like the ACA, which didn't help me much. And then she had sort of a laundry list of uh, piecemeal legislation that she said would help uh, my situation and provide affordable care. One of the things she mentioned was the PROTECT Act, 
which I found out does address pre-existing conditions, but it doesn't include any of the other protections that are in the ACA, things like uh, providing, uh, requiring coverage for maternity care, requiring coverage for mental health and substance abuse treatment. It doesn't stop insurers from reinstating their annual and lifetime limits on coverage. It doesn't limit an enrollee's out-of-pocket expenses. It doesn't stop insurance companies from charging higher premiums for non-health issues like gender. It, and particularly for me, it doesn't stop um, insurance companies from uh, charging higher premiums based on age. I also had to do a little digging about what this legislation was and found out it's been sitting in committee for a year and a half. And from what I read, uh, the speculation was that it wasn't going to make it out of committee. Uh, so this was very unhelpful. She also mentioned her support for Chuck Grassley's Prescription Drug Pricing Reduction Act, <clears throat> which is fine. But again, it's my understanding that this is not likely to pass either. It's not getting support from Ernst Fell Republicans. So and none of this was particularly reassuring. And now our uh, worst nightmares are being realized as the case in front of the Supreme Court is going to be heard soon. And now it's a fully conservative court. My husband and I are left to wonder if the AC goes away, ACA goes away, are we gonna be able to find someone willing to insure us? And if so, what is that gonna cost? So for me, really healthcare is on the ballot this fall. Susan, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, um, it is now my uh, pleasure to turn it over to another uh, healthcare advocate and and someone who um, who, who we have uh, worked side by side with on this issue um, from Cedar Rapids, um, Debbie Koopman, who has who worked in childcare for more than three decades um, and has uh, a child with pre-existing conditions. So, um, Debbie, I want to turn it over to you. I once was a young mom and now I'm an old mom and both times we needed the ACA. Um, I have a 27 year old daughter who was raised here in Cedar Rapids and she was born with heart and vertebrae and rib deformities. And like 135 million other Americans, she then had pre-existing conditions. She uh, was lucky enough at one years old to be strong enough to have her heart repaired uh, in Mayo Clinic. However, because of that pre-existing condition, it was gonna impact her ability to get affordable health care for the rest of her life. It affected what jobs she would get after college. At the age of 18, she was still on my health insurance. And because of the Affordable Care Act, she was able to stay on it till she was 26. Five years ago, she moved to California, worked at a doctor's clinic, found out, oh, you don't offer health insurance. Great. Um, it was time for her second surgery and her heart had grown. And how was she gonna pay for this? Thankfully, because of the age provision in the ACA, she was still covered under my insurance. At the age of 24, she should have been kicked off of my insurance, but because her employer didn't cover, have the coverage, she was able to be under my plan. At 26, that magic number, she was on her own for insurance. 
What did she need to do to protect herself? She had to find a job with health insurance as a benefit. And because she had that pre-existing condition, she knew she had to change jobs. Like many Americans, she chose her job based on, her benef on the benefits. And as a parent, I wanna protect my child to be healthy and work in careers that they love. I wanna know that no matter where she works, no matter her age, my daughter will have the health care she needs to live a long, happy life. My daughter told me once, Mom, I, I would have gone broke or I would have died from getting that second, not getting that second surgery. My condition has affected me at not being a normal young person. I don't save for a European trip or something fun because I need that cushion of savings. Instead of paying off my student loan, I keep that savings in case something goes bad. Having money for her isn't a luxury, it was about safety. One other thing I wanna add is two days ago, I was on a national woman's Facebook group and as we were typing on this Facebook, one woman wrote, does anybody there have a pre-existing condition? And as the paper started going and the typing began, it was flooded from across the country of people listing their pre-existing conditions. And immediately the women were typing about their family and their conditions. It was overwhelming fear. Longer and longer people wrote their fears. American moms and dads, they need help. We need and we deserve protection. Healthcare is on the ballot. I tell everybody, vote. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.